This is episode number 33 of the Beard of Marketers podcast, the only internet marketing podcast that matters. I'm Rob. And I'm Corey. We drop new episodes of this podcast every Monday. You can find them at thebeardofmarketers.com slash podcast. And of course, you can find us on iTunes. Please take a second to find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. We post a bunch of things there that we talk about on the show that you know we go into more in-depth detail on. I think we have a good lineup again, as always. For Why do you even for, doubt? <laughs> why do I even say it anymore for <laughs> topics tonight? But before we do that, Corey, my man, what are you drinking? I already drank a <laughs> Moscow Mule. It was quite tasty. What about you? I'm doing a Cuba Libre again Ooh. for those who listened last week. Same thing. It's, Cuba Libre. Uh, yeah. Uh, lime, Coke, and rum. White mm. rum. Feeling revolutionary? Exactly. <laughs> it's delicious. Delicious and refreshing. All right, so for topics tonight, we're going to kick it off on the social realm of things. Facebook's recent changes and might be some interesting updates for the platform. Reasons why people abandon your checkout cart. What are some of the top reasons which might catch people off guard? Holiday shopping habits and ways that we might need to curtail our marketing, messaging, and strategies around that. And lastly, chasing meaningless data. Are you guilty? I'm guilty. But Not are me. you guilty? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob, kick us off in the social world with Mr. Mark Zuckerberg and some things that are cooking up in his kitchen at Facebook. Yes, yeah, so there are actually, uh, I think, a lot of things that rolled out that are new for Facebook for the past couple of weeks. We're going to talk about two of those things, though. One being, and this is something that people may have noticed already, Facebook has gotten rid of their old thumbs up, sort of gray, light blue uh, like button that you could throw on your website. So for everyone who's running that code right now, um, slowly rolling out in the future, they have new designs for those buttons, which they are claiming and testing are producing much more, much higher interaction rates. So, so more people clicking like off the presses, and share now. and all of this stuff, whatever. Um, we'll tweet out what those bu- new buttons are going to be looking like if you haven't had a chance to take a look at those yet. But So just to clarify... The current designs you have on your site will stay. You'll need to update your code base if you want these new designs. I, I think it depends on which code you're using. Oh. Um, right. So there's like three or four different ways to use that Facebook button code. And I think some of them may automatically just update gotcha. to the newer versions. Basically, what they look like now is the Facebook little F in white background of like that Facebook bluish, purplish, you know, color. And it just says like. So no more thumbs up button on those. And the like and the share button now look pretty similar again with that bright color. Sort of stands out from all the other people. You know, like the tweet mm-hmm. button's pretty subdued. Google plus one, all pretty subdued. So right. Facebook button now definitely stands out in your little row of social networking icons. So loud and proud. Yeah, exactly. So that's one of the changes. The other one um wanted to touch on briefly is Facebook's rolling out, and I think they've had this for a while, star ratings on places and restaurants. Mm-hmm. I think they've had that for a little bit, depending on uh, if you're on your phone or on the desktop. Some people wow. might be able to see those things. They're rolling this out now, I think, though, for all pages <clears throat> or for a lot more pages. Again, this is sort of a slow rollout. I don't think everyone's seeing it yet, but I've seen some screenshots. Uh, and so basically, when you go to like a page, you'll be able to give it a five-star rating or a two-star rating or a none-star rating because you don't like them. So I think You know, of these two changes we're talking about, obviously the button one doesn't really matter much, you know, whatever. Interesting to know. But this five-star rating thing, I think, could actually have a pretty big impact on how people market on Facebook. Because running those contests just to get a million people liking your page, I mean, how important is that going to be anymore when you still have that one-star rating? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to cause people to smartly think through their strategies and not just do a land grab like you talked about with the uh, contest. 
But also think about when is the best time to kind of broach people with this rating system to where I, you know, kind of like normal ratings anywhere else in the internet. You know, how do we think about the best way to potentially push people into this path so I can get the best rating as possible. But I also have to kind of not just have this space on Facebook, but I have mm-hmm. to kind of maintain it because it might affect my rating over the long term. I think that's a good point. And actually, another thing I'm concerned about with this is, and I see this a lot on Amazon, and that is that people giving ratings or star ratings on products on Amazon don't actually know what the rating is supposed to be for, right? Mm-hmm. So the rating is not supposed to be for the the shipping company or however that was and that happened. It's for the actual product. So for this example on Facebook, what is that five-star rating supposed to be for? Mm-hmm. Is it for the page itself? Is it for the brand that's running it? Is it because you like their products? Right. I mean, Which what exactly, right. How's that messaging going to work? And what is that rating supposed to be for sure. on that Facebook How page? How often can you update that too? Like once you set a rating? Yeah. Like that? You know, do you get mad at, at two in the morning and give them a zero star and then wake up the next day? Oh, I'm oh, sorry. I sorry. didn't change it to a five-star. Drunk star. rating. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So those are just uh, some quick updates on Facebook. Um, Something to definitely keep in mind, especially yeah, exactly. the rating strategy that could really shake things up a bit. Yeah, I'm keep actually it, glad that they're going down that route. Yeah, keep an eye out. And I think the other th- change too is so not only are they now doing this, but um, it's becoming more prominent on pages where they had been doing this in the past ah. too. So it's like square right in front of your face next to the number of likes. You have a terrible one star rating. So it, it'll be interesting to see too as well. They're rolling out this feature to people. Are there going to be any features or management tools for the? pages or the businesses to manage ratings any sort of follow-up questions can Mm. you resolve things things like that yeah you'll be able to pay facebook a premium (laughs) to remove those one-star ratings well i know that newegg in particular so they have a user rating system Mm -hmm. but they also allow manufacturers to get in and if someone posts i bought this receiver and it was defective yamaha can actually post to that review try to get all the details from the person and i've actually seen you know, based on that conversation that their rating eventually goes up, they'll like post like an update based on the customer service and the new one. So I wonder if they'll allow any sort of that kind of interaction. Yeah, I think Amazon does something similar. I don't think it's nearly as popular. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm not sure because I, I don't think that you actually get to leave a review. It's just the yeah, rating. Just like so rating. I don't I don't know if there's any way to sort of call out a customer and say, hey, it would be you? interesting, though, like since they have all of the information, including your like firstborn, which how bigger, <laughs> you know, small toe is and things like that. <laughs> If they can give you any sort of breakdowns of, you know, on average, women hate you more than men or anything like that, where you can maybe kind of glean I, some information. I'm from sure it. that stuff will show up in uh, people's page manager sections mm-hmm. if you run a page. Um, I'm sure interesting stats. I mean, there's some pretty interesting stuff that already shows up in there. I'd be surprised if that kind of stuff didn't show up as All well. Right. Let's switch gears over to the e-commerce side of things. Tis the season for some shopping. So there was an interesting blog post on e-consultancy over the week where they talked about cart abandonment, which is something that might be beat to death as maybe an understatement in the e-commerce world. But this particular study that was done by e-digital research, which was a study of over a couple thousand shoppers found, not only is there a high abandonment rate, so for this study it was about 77%, but the number one linked reason or cited reason was 53% across the board was high delivery costs, the main reason of people bailing out. So what I wanted to kind of talk about for a little bit, I feel that a lot of people don't do very well in this kind of abandonment world is 
think about reasons why people abandon. So we see a lot of companies that jump the gun and offer coupons. They think maybe people jumped out to research price or a myriad of things. But I feel like most abandonment kind of campaigns are set up to just offer coupons like immediately. And I thought you had some good thoughts on that based on a, actually a Reddit conversation. But, you know, I thought that this article should be a good primer for people that if you work in the e-commerce space and abandonment is a, a problem as your company foresees it, I think that a lot of people need to do a little bit better outreach into those groups and understand why people are actually not completing. You know, it's it's not necessarily surprising that the highest cited source is actually surprise delivery rates. I think that a lot of people, uh, you know, have maybe gotten spoiled by all the free offers. There's the Amazons of the world, and a lot of companies now are offering very low price ceilings before you get to free shipping. So to see something where I'm buying a product and it's costing $10 or $12, or it's amazing to me how many people lose sight of it sounds great to get something overnighted, like I'm going to get it tomorrow. And they have no idea how much that really costs to overnight something. Right, yeah. Even though that the delivery cost is uh, was the highest cited reason in here, I would challenge all of us marketers to kind of look at if we work in the e-commerce space or really any space, if, even if you're trying to gather leads or things like that and people are just leaving your website, try to get it to the heart at what people are doing and maybe not jump the gun. But I thought you had kind of an interesting... Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the, the thread I read on. I think it was in reddit.com slash r slash LPT, Life mm, Pro Life Tips. tips. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the tip was basically that if you're you know doing a large purchase on an e-commerce site... Uh, actually, you know, fill up your card, go through the checkout process, and before you submit your billing information, just sort of leave and sit on it for a few days, let it cook, and, and you might get a cart abandonment email. And, you know, a lot of these people weren't internet marketers, and they weren't privy to some of the industry terms and things mm-hmm. like that and how it works. But, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, that's absolutely true. You know, I do that sometimes. And I thought it it pointed to, obviously, for at least some people, it's setting a precedent. Yeah, you've like which conditioned is, them. Exactly. And, and so... Especially if you just sort of automated send out card abandonment emails to everyone every mm-hmm. time they've abandoned a card after a few days, right. you might be setting that bad precedent where now you're sort of making people want to abandon because they sure. know they're going to get that 5% off coupon in, right. a, in a few days. Especially um, with the prevalency of mom saver sites, right. coupon sites and stuff like that. It's very easy for that information to get out in the wild. And f- how many people spend time on forums, things like Reddit. You have to be very careful with your strategies especially when they're going to start directly eating into margin, yeah. offering coupons each and every time. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, obviously, you're risking this the situation where they don't get the email, it just goes to junk, or they forget about it, or they buy it from somewhere else in the meantime. It's interesting, because I remember about six years ago, in our early years of consulting, I'm sure you remember this, is we used to run a lot of cart abandonment. It was, I think, a relatively new thing at the time. At least I hadn't heard about a lot of other mm-hmm. people doing it. So we were testing it with a lot of clients. And the angle that we always took on the card abandonment, I don't even know that we oftentimes offer discounts. I think I it was just sort of a reminder of, you know, we hope you didn't have technical problems. Yeah. If you did, please contact our customer service. But also, you know, we've saved your card and you can still check out like here it is. And that was enough to obviously save a lot of those conversions. So Yeah, I always typically take the customer service approach yeah. and then the, you know, where we've saved it for you. Sometimes that messaging changes on what we're actually selling. So the customer service message might center more around support. Mm -hmm. So for some of my clients, they sell 
more involved products or more of a complex sell. So the abandonment email doesn't necessarily center around the technical aspect of did your browser crash or whatever, but more we have experts standing by if you had any questions about why you should use us, maybe some uh, bullet points to emphasize the value of shopping with us, and then also offering the save card. So, you know, long story short, this study is worth a check out just to see how many people out of their study were bouncing out for shipping rates, which might change your strategy and maybe not leaning so much on coupons or or how you actually price your products to maybe adjust your shipping costs net net be similar but you should take note at why people are abandoning your site you might not be this similar case so it's worth it for your time to understand why people are doing it and then actually catering a good message and be aware of what you condition your users for like rob was talking about in his example you know word is out even for the non-savvy that a lot of people just automatically throw out tons of coupon codes and the oh please come back we love you yeah and and buy from us and then just throw away their margins so it is the season take a look at why people might not be converting how can you better tackle that? We, I think we gave some pretty good tangibles on how you need to think through that. But it might be some things that you can't necessarily control as well, like shipping costs. And maybe you don't need to necessarily freak out as much about it. So anyways, let's move on. So holiday shopping habits. So Rob has been in his Inspector Gadget trench coat, just staring at people with binoculars at the mall, watching their shopping habits. Uh, I'm kidding, but go ahead. No, Mike. I have. I've been doing those random surveys. That Eating a Cinnabon doing. while you're yeah. doing it. Um, I was actually at the mall this last week, and this is the first time I noticed uh, Christmas music playing or holiday music, however you want to put it. Spitting on the face of the Indians. Yeah, so it's it's that time of the year, absolutely. And I hope you heeded our warnings. I, I want to say maybe 10, 15 episodes back. Oh, I mean, yeah. this is a while. We were warning you. Prepare Chris your Kringle's holiday coming. <laughs> marketing campaigns because now it's too late. I mean, they should be in full effect right now. Right. And that's sort of what some of these stats, uh, you know, I'm going to be going through sort of point to is that, I mean, now is actually prime time. I mean, it doesn't feel like, I mean, it's like the holidays feel like they're still so, so far away, but man, people are buying now. Mm-hmm. People are buying now. You walk around the malls, everyone's got their pumpkin spice lattes, yep. their brown boots, their sweaters <laughs> on, and they're shopping. I was say brown they're shopping. <laughs> All right, so let's run a couple through uh, some of these stats, and hopefully it'll get you lazy marketers in gear who who did not prepare your marketing uh, campaigns feel properly. Bad for you. Yeah, no, you know, if if you need some help though, get in contact with us. Maybe we could help you out. All right, so this first one, um, this just sort of reinforces this, and that is that thirty nine percent have started their online holiday shopping before Thanksgiving, which means now. So, I mean, roughly half of people mm-hmm. start before what what most would consider the real holiday shopping season. I mean, everyone historically thinks of Black Friday, right? It's like that's the that's when all of this sort of starts off. Right. People get in a frenzy. Then, right. And then we have Cyber Monday shortly after that. Well, nope. It's, it's already started again. That, that set just proves it. 44%, though, do fall into that category and wait till after Thanksgiving. 17%. Wait until the last minute. So that would be me. That's, me? That's, that's the category that I fall into. Um, for Christmas. Well, I got Amazon Prime now, so be uh, week of Christmas. <laughs> Here's just some rough stats. I'm not really sure how pertinent this is. Just interesting. 66% of shoppers plan to spend more on holiday gifts this year compared to last year. Uh, you Economy's know, a little bit better. Yeah, we're spending all our money. We made a little bit of extra money. Let's spend it all <laughs> on gifts. Um, here's here's something that I think is really interesting, and I, this is going to get more and more relevant as time goes on as mobile devices get better and better and apps get better. 
And that is that 40% are using mobile devices inside of stores to aid in their shopping. And there's a big breakdown. I have a breakdown of what people are actually doing with their phones. Uh, But that is something that I don't think anyone did even maybe two years ago. Right. Using your phone to shop while you're in a store. What are you doing? You're in the (laughs) store. Do shopping in the store. Yeah, and I think, too, for, you know, really up until recently is I feel like that we, you know, we've had the Internet on our phones for a while. But the speed and the experience was so frustrating that, yeah, you thought, man, it'd be nice to comparison shop on my phone, but it was so infuriating. You went, nah, I'll just forget it. But the prevalency of 4G, how many malls have Wi-Fi now and how good mobile phones have gotten, you know, maybe it's just kind of the sign of the times. Before I get into some of the breakdown on what people are actually doing. So really quickly, four and five mobile users are using the actual shopping apps when they're messing around on their phone. In the Um, store? Yeah. So things like the Amazon app, the eBay app, I mean, the Zappos app. And, and oh, I'll, okay. I'll sort of talk to you about what they're doing with those things, but they're actually using these apps. I thought it was Best Buy app, why they're in Best Buy. I was like, what <laughs> I are mean, you doing? Maybe. Sometimes people get... I mean, actually, I, I have found myself doing that because this Best Buy doesn't have it. Let me find the, the next closest Best Buy who uh, does have okay. it, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, so you bust out their app. Anyway, so 50, 56% of those people who are using mobile devices inside stores are using it to research and compare prices at other stores. Mm-hmm. So get your prices on lock right. because if you can beat out physical stores and you're an online advertising mm-hmm. buyer, I mean, obviously you've won those 56% of customers. Mm-hmm. Um, 44% are reading product reviews of different brands. So is this actually going to work for what I'm doing? Let's check out what some of the other reviews are for some, some of the other things. Um, 38% looking up those coupon and sales promo codes, you know? I mean, I, does that... How often does that actually work? I don't even do coupons in real stores anymore, but... Talk to my wife. She does that stuff. Okay. I <laughs> um, one in four, so 25%, scan barcodes or QR codes, which then I imagine they're using How many? 24? To 25%. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, so they're scanning those codes, and they're, it, it literally takes... I mean, the Amazon app is ridiculous. <laughs> it's it's going to be the demise of physical stores, although then it won't have a use anymore. But <laughs> in a physical store, use the QR code scanner. immediately shows you that Amazon has a better price, and you just one-click buy it. So I'm shocked that it's 25%, yeah. but that's 25% of the 50 25% of the 40%, 40. who okay. use mobile devices. Right, so okay. yeah, we start getting down to smaller numbers. Sure. But still, I mean, I didn't realize that many people were that tech savvy. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. obviously people busting out their phones, but still. Um, 20% are accessing account info for retailer rewards programs. What? Which yeah, this is blowing my mind right here. It's something I don't even think about actually having or participating in. But <laughs> one in five of those 40%, again, are using... To, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to how see many, why how many, they're using it. Right, so like how many points, points do I have in, in, yeah. you know, in my Best Buy account or whatever okay. it is, or my Petco account, you know, hmm. um, how much can I save? I just haven't found that too many rewards clubs are actually meaningful enough. It's kind of like, yeah. oh, well, this came with it, but it's not something that's enticing me enough to go and shop there on the regular. Uh, really quickly, just two more stats here before we move on to the next topic. 46%. We'll be using a smartphone for holiday shopping, period, right? Oh, okay. So not just in a store or whatever, just 46% period. Your wife's talking to you on the couch and you're just getting yeah, your shop on while she's talking. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> not that I've done that. You, you, I mean, I know you mean that in a good way, though, right? Because oh, sure. your, your wife drops a hint, yeah. and you're just like, oh, yeah, I'll yeah. just buy this right now. Those red boots I wanted. <laughs> Whoop. Pick them up. Um, that is a 51% increase from 2012. Uh, 41% will be using a tablet, and that is a nearly 200% increase from mm. 2012. I think that maybe just points to increased device. tablet device, yeah circulation so definitely worthwhile i mean yeah. the mobile market to understand those customers just just to know that so many people are price comparison reading reviews you know if you are an online e-commerce store you need to make sure that your prices are clear and i mean if you have lower prices than a best buy make sure you're buying tons of online ads that that let people i mean throw that in their face mm-hmm. right because that's what they care about and they're doing it right now this holiday season probably worthwhile for uh, a lot of e-commerce stores to really start getting aggressive with product listing ads as well and playing around and i mean you should already have this set mm-hmm. up but not just having paid search ads but having your products in google and all the shopping networks and things like that the amazons and, all of them oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, even listing it in Walmart and all that other online possible ways you can get product listings into websites. But yeah, absolutely. Come on with it. All right. So wrapping up the episode, changing gears a bit. So this is real talk. This is hypothetical. Corey's real talk. Theoretical. And, you know, I was reading an interesting article this week that was, uh, the title of it was, Are You Wasting Time on Statistical Trivia? And what the article was getting at is... Are you really wasting a lot of your time finding information out about your site that is interesting and maybe seems cool and maybe seems like that should be something I should tell somebody, but at the end of the day, it is a waste of your time. And it's a waste of your time for a couple reasons. One, that you're drilling down so far into your data that it is your assumptions or your conclusions are based on minuscule amounts of data. So for example, you know, we notice that women that come in from Facebook that do an online search for socks have a 10% higher average order rate. Well, that's great, but that is probably 0.015% of your visitors. So that's one type. Another one is really using broad estimators or estimations of what people are doing and what you really care about. So you're looking at session-based conversion rates or uh, you're looking at page views and things like that instead of going after data like lifetime value and things like that. So you're you're picking out metrics or things about customers that look really nice in a PowerPoint deck. But it really doesn't do anything for you better understanding the people, the value, and why they're spending time and money with you. So you're either looking at trivial data because it's going after such a small part of the pie it's not worth your time, or looking up stuff that's really not worth your time in general because it does it's really meaningless. It's right. nice footnotes, but it doesn't mean anything. So what do you do, you know, now that you've kind of you've realized your problem? I'm Corey and I am a <laughs> I have uh, a data problem. <laughs> I have a trivial data problem. So what what do we do here? Ask yourself a couple of questions when you're looking at data. Number one, how many people does this represent out of my group of visitors or customer base. But also, number two, what can I do with this? If there's nothing I can really do about it, 
you know, what does it matter? I mean, there is something to be said for if I can make the business case that we need to be doing something about this because it's so large, but then that's kind of revert back to question number one (laughs) and see answer there. But if there's nothing that you can really do, maybe your IT is locked down for six months or whatever, then, and this is a technical change. Well, okay, well, let's bookmark that, put that on the shelf Put that in your Outlook calendar to remind you in six months, but don't spend any more time on it. Again, you get down to spending a lot of time on things that that are wasting your time. And if we're trying to uh, work 40-hour weeks, then we got to get a little bit more smart about that. But also, sometimes what we'll do is, as well as force a couple of several statistics or findings together to a vague understanding of insights and try to draw some correlations. So we're looking at female shoppers, we look at Facebook, we look at online search, and we kind of combined all of these, you know, interesting right. niches of our data set to kind of extrapolate this correlation. Uh, but just because that's happening does not mean it's because of the combination of all those factors. So kind of think about out of the recipe that you came from this conclusion, what did you throw in? And is it really a result of your flowers, chocolate chips, and eggs that you got these delicious chocolate chip cookies? Or, you know, was it something else? I think it's going to be interesting to see so many people getting involved in a lot of that nitty gritty sort of stuff you were just speaking to. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that demographic data is going to become sort of built in and cooked into Google Analytics, yeah. uh, I, th- I think you're going to see a lot of marketing managers who see that, get excited about it, and start coming up with that kind of stuff. Oh, right. yeah, like, uh, you know, fi- you know, again, exactly what you said. Like, and just useless, very specific, probably wrong due to sampling error things, <laughs> like, that just don't mean anything, but would look cool in, like, an infographic or something. Oh, sure, absolutely. You know, exactly. Or tell your boss. So here's some tips. Number one, analyze the value. Again, like, how many people does this reach? That's how we should prioritize how we're looking at some of this stuff. Finding the right tools. If you're getting into the trap of having a hard time understanding what's going on in your website and how you make things actionable or how you even glean information from it, Maybe it's time to switch up the tools. Maybe talk to some people, some consultants in the industry, <clears throat> or you know, reach out to some other marketing managers in your space that you might be friendly with and kind of get a sense for what other people are using because maybe it's just you are using very complex tools and it's nice because it's giving you a layer of visibility into your data, but it's it's beyond the scope of your, your wherewithal. Or maybe see if that tool provider has an expert that they will lend or hire out for you. Like, again, going to the consultant route, but through the tool. Lastly, maybe test some of your findings. If you're kind of on the fence of, found these women searchers, things like that, and it actually does kind of constitute maybe 20% of our business or 10, maybe do some experiments around what you're finding and see if you can even move it. Mm -hmm. And if you've spent a lot of time not only digging into it, You've run some experiments around it to try to move the needle, but those are those are fruitless. Then maybe again, this is kind of something that you shelf for a while. You know, this is something that we've noticed. We've tried to kind of affect it. We still really haven't been able to do it. But we know that on our whiteboard in our office, we have ten other things that we need to get to. You know, again, maybe as much as it pains you, you just need to put this on the shelf and kind of let it simmer for a bit. Or it's maybe it's just kind of a nice to know. We can't really do much with it, and uh, it just kind of is what it is. But again, I would challenge us, try not to get trapped into looking at all the cool things, all the 
graphs and the data points and things like that and try to get an understanding of, number one, what am I looking at? And then two, how many people does this represent? And three, can I even do anything about it? And if so, let me do something about it. If nothing's really changing, it's time for on the shelf, move forward. We got things to do. Ain't no one got time for that. So <laughs> again, be better keepers of your time. And I think uh, your business and uh, at the end of the day, your conversions will be paid off well. So again, this is episode number 33 of the Bearded Marketers. Give us a call, 904-270-9603. Have any topics for us to discuss in the next episode? Rob stays by the phone day and night. He has Absolutely. one of those hamburger phones that he answers <laughs> when you call in. Makes me um, hungry. <laughs> but if you have any suggestions for topics or if you're struggling with something, that could be a topic as well. Between Rob and I, we have a lot of experience in the industry and we could probably help you out or connect you with someone that that can Uh, again this was great spending time with you and we will see you next week this has been robin corey and we are the bearded marketers